Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Action Fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. Chris the Brain and Chad Cruz with you. At least I think this is Chad Cruz with me because Chad, I mean, you you've you in your busy schedule, you managed to go see a brand new movie I did. and you've arranged for a special guest for the show. I mean, this is not the Chad Cruz I normally talk to. That's right. That's two uh two things that I've accomplished in a matter of days. <laughs> And that doesn't, that's pretty rare for a guy like me. I know. I, I'm like, is, is this really Chad or the pod people invade? Right. And, and not only did I arrange for a special guest, but I, I brought in what I would consider an expert on the topic that we're going to be discussing today. <laughs> and you can hear him laughing in the background because I called him an expert. But uh, the, the man that I'm referring to, of course, is uh, a man that I'll be referring to as Cap. But he is the captain. He is Ian Garriott. He is probably the biggest Batman fan that I've ever met in my entire life. And, you know, with this new film coming out, I thought, uh, who better to go to than uh, a man that I, whose expertise I trust and I respect. And uh, now he's got to be coming on here and probably just trashing all of the ideas, creative ideas I have for the new series, which is <laughs> just released this week. So welcome. Oh, thank yeah. you. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Brian. Really no. appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to talking about uh, one of the best superheroes ever out there. Wow. There you go. Yeah. So thank you, Ian, for joining us and, and providing your expert opinion on everything related to the Batman and what a movie that is. But Chad, before we get into that, of course, we want to remind everybody to check out bulletproofaction.com. Something new each and every day. I know, uh, I saw you hard at work on some uh, post and, you know, that's always, again, is, is this the Chad Cruz I know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You're very busy uh, this week with Bulletproof Action Activity. And we're going to be very busy talking about the Batman. But right now, let's take a quick time out for this message from the Geekscape Network. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. All 
All right, we are back, and we are kind of going to deviate from our usual format here and just kind of have a free-form conversation about the newly released The Batman, uh, which all three of us have had the pleasure of seeing. And uh, let's kick it off with Ian. Uh, what did, what was your, I guess, first thoughts as, as this movie started up for you? Okay, so... Um, it, it, Usually it takes a little bit. I could go through every Batman film I've seen and 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 tell you at like what point did I did I know this was going to be a good film or a bad film. But so when I started sitting down for this film, um, I really stayed away from most of the uh, you know media reviews. I tried to stay away from everything that was released. I wanted to be totally shocked when I walked in there. And it took. Um, I knew I liked that first fight scene where. Uh, you know, Batman fights these uh, Joker thugs that are in the subway and they're they're uh, beating up this guy. But I had seen that scene in a preview already, but I already liked it. But honestly, as soon as the Nirvana song kicked in, uh, I was sold. And I really I think that that uh, remix of of Nirvana, something in the way, uh, really like set the undertones for that entire film. And I was I was all in at that point. Yeah, really the perfect song. I mean, it just matched the mood of the film completely. Uh, it just, yeah. And, you know, obviously it's one of the great things too when you watch a movie in the theater because you just get instantly immersed in this world. Chad Cruz, your thoughts, yeah, your that, early thoughts on the film. The the early scenes of the movie really kind of, like you said, it, it set the tone for the film, uh, both the sound, the sound design, the music, um, just the style of Matt Reeves, the director, um, you know, if, if you've seen the, the newer Planet of the Apes films, he's done all those. And, and he really had an idea of, of, you know, every time a Batman film comes out, we say, oh, this one's darker. It's grittier. You know, it's like it seems like there's only so dark and so gritty that you can be. But this film, uh, without going into that film noir kind of look, it really like it. It feels like a real city that exists. Um the, the music, the, the Nirvana song, um, I guess like the story of Kurt Cobain and, and Matt Reeves really wanted uh, Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne to be similar to Kurt Cobain where, you know, he's got this, all this money, all the money in the world, uh, but he doesn't want it. You know, he doesn't want the lifestyle. He doesn't want the fame. He just wants to, you know, dress like a bat and fight people. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because I'm, Ian, I don't know if you remember this. I don't know if you remember it, Chad, but like when 1989 Batman was coming out, the talk was how dark and gritty it was. And I'm right. sure you're comparing it to the Adam West television series. Yeah, absolutely. But now compared to what's followed it, I mean, that's like a Technicolor fever dream uh, compared to, to what we're getting now. And yeah, definitely the darkest and grittiest of the Batman. Can it get any darker or grittier, you guys think? Oh yeah, I think the sky's the limit, really. And if if you're asking me, I think uh, um, there was so I, there's there's so many things I really enjoyed about this film. And I know we can talk about those later, but when you ask, could it get any grittier or darker? I think it can because I do believe that PG thirteen rating held it back. Like when I was watching this film, and the more it played out, close to that three hour time frame, I, I was loving it. I mean, I loved the ride all the way through, but I'm like, man, I just wanted that one step further. So could it get any darker? I think it could if you had an R rating. 
and I think that the the villains that they use going forward, uh, I, I do believe that Matt Reeves signed a three picture deal, or Robert Pattinson signed a three picture deal. So it it may become a trilogy, it may become more, who knows? But I think depending on the villain that, that they use, it could really change the tone. You know, if you use, uh, I don't know, if you if you use another female villain, or if you bring in the penguin as the main guy, or something like that, maybe it's not as dark. But if you have like Victor Zaz or whatever his name is the you know, serial killer guy. I mean, there, there are ways that you could kind of shape this film in an even darker way. And, and uh, I don't know if they'll go that far because there's seems to be more money in PG 13, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure that is why they, they went with the PG 13. They wanted it to have some edge, but you still want to have it as to as many people, as many eyeballs that can go, especially in, in today's world where obviously the movie industry has, definitely taken a hit over the past few years and i i do believe there were a couple of f-bombs dropped very yeah i i think so i think they're allowed i don't know two or three if it's PG. i think yeah. they used every one they could because i i remember hearing it <laughs> and thinking hey this is all PG-13. two of them yeah all both of them i was like hey there's an f-bomb but they didn't seem out of place they did they definitely fit and i would say that this film kind of pushes that pg-13 to the max and you know i've got a seven-year-old boy at home and when I had told him I was going to see Batman, he was, uh, you know, his reaction was, can I come? And I said, <laughs> well, uh, I would love to take you, but it is three hours long and I'm not dealing with that. And how about the Lego Batman? Let's plug that in. Lego Batman would be much better. And, and you know, I, I wasn't sure I I've seen the trailers for it and I said, it's got a certain tone to it. And I, I don't know if it's right for him yet. I think he made the right call. Oh, yeah, I agree. Absolutely agree. It, you know, it's it's uh, just like the uh, Dark Knight. When I walked out of the Dark Knight, I really thought I had watched an R-rated film because of the just how tense it was throughout. Yeah. And, you, you, and, and I know they want to make things PG-13, but it's like uh, um, I do think times times are changing. Like a, a, a movie that's PG-13 today uh, or an, a movie that's R-rated today might be PG-13. Who knows? 10 years from now. Right. Well, you know? I think that Jaws was actually rated PG. Right. It was. There you go. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, cause you, you think about like there's F bombs on basic cable. Now, if you know, you get into nine, 10 o'clock hour, they're, they're dropping F bombs on, on some of these uh, series that are on, on cable. So I guess not a surprise. They were able to squeeze a couple in on a, a PG 13. movie. Right. Hey, so hey brain, if I can, uh, Sure. You were you were mentioning you were mentioning uh, 1989 Batman, which of course I love that one too. Um, yeah. uh, I saw that on a on a VHS tape, so just I was uh, was around 16, 16, 17, somewhere in there. Just give you a time frame. Yeah, I I remember going to the theater to see it, but not right away because I mean that thing was huge. I mean that thing owned the summer of 1989, and it was later. It was probably more like August when I finally got to the theater to see it, and. Uh, yeah, and it, so much, I mean, again, they talked about how dark it was. And another thing, they, you know, Michael Keaton, there was kind of those who were like, who, what yeah. the hell, Mr. Mom is going right. uh, to be Batman? That's ridiculous. And, you know, obviously Robert Pattinson had the same type of initial reaction, like the Twilight right. guy is going to be Batman. That's some right. bullshit. But right. he pulls it off and then some. I mean, and and he's perfect for, for the, the way they're portraying Bruce Wayne. And I think that that we're going to get that with every superhero out there. You know, we've gotten it with every Batman for sure, for certain. Um, 
Christian Bale came out and people were like, oh, you mean the Newsies guy? Right. You know, or the American psycho, psychopath guy? Like, so every actor, I mean, unless you've never had a role and then they're going to, you know, piss and moan about that. Right. Uh, so Robert Pattinson has done a ton of awesome work over the last, you know, probably six, seven years. And, and I don't know if that's a product of he's trying to get rid of that Twilight stink from him, but uh, he certainly isn't afraid to act the hell out of a movie. But, you know, Chad, I know you and I had talked before this podcast about this the upcoming film. And, and you know, people, always, they all ask me, always, ask, who's your favorite Batman? What do you think about this new guy playing Batman? And and I and, and all the way back from, uh, you know, when the Christopher Nolan Batman was announced, it's like, I just give him a chance. I want to give him a chance. and I want to see him on the big screen as Bruce Wayne and wearing, you know, wearing the cape and cowl, and I'll judge for for myself then. Um, and I think you're right. I think he nailed it. I think he nailed it. And I, I think it, it goes up and down the cast. of. I mean, it was perfectly cast movie, uh, up and down. I mean, Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon, perfect. Oh, yeah. He was the right man for the job, if you will. I You know what I like so much about him is that he is not, um, as an actor, not a personality that, takes over every film that he's in. Uh, I, I feel like Gary Oldman, every time I see Gary Oldman, I'm just waiting for him to be my favorite character of the movie. Um, so I, I'm glad he wasn't in it. And, and the same with Michael Caine, the same with Morgan Freeman. These guys are guys that you, you remember like every, every film that they're in, you just feel like you've, you've seen them a million times, but Jeffrey Wright, who I've also seen, you know, I don't know how many times, but a lot. Uh, he's never really just taken over a film, but he's always there and he's always amazing and everything. Yeah. The the character takes over for him and, and he just brings that character to life. It's not, you're not seeing Jeffrey, Wright; You're seeing whatever character he's portraying, I think. And this is probably my favorite uh, version of Jim Gordon to date of all the actors who've played. And this is probably my favorite Gordon. Yeah. I, you know, I, I do, I, I appreciate Jeffrey Wright. I, I liked him, uh, really started to uh, notice his work at, after Casino Royale, right? That's the first time I really noticed mm-hmm. him when he was the CIA agent working with, you know, James Bond. Um, and then watched him in some other shows as well. But uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to say he's my favorite, uh, but I do think he is, um, he's close to the version that they want to portray. And if I, you know, however, how I'm, how I explain that is I do think a lot of this movie was based off of a a handful of comics that were written back in the eighties. And I think his version was closer to the Frank Miller year one version. Um, And I, and I really appreciate what he did uh, as Gordon. Are you familiar with year one? Yeah, you know what? I actually a uh, little bit of research. I know, Brain, you're surprised by this again. Uh, I read Year One, uh, reread it like two weeks ago uh, <laughs> in preparation for this, so it's very fresh in my mind. And maybe that's why I love the Jim Gordon so much, because as you said, that in, in Batman Year One, he's new to the department. He's uh, he just seems like he's the only one out there who's not corrupt, who's trying to make a real difference. And he's a man who has his own demons. He's got, he's got, you know, issues at home. Um, he, he's got a partner that he's having this relationship with and, but at all the time he's still kind of 
believes in in the work that Batman is doing, and he believes in Gotham City as a city. That's not, you know, it's not. It's worth fighting for. And let's talk the Riddler. What a creepy, creepy character he. I mean, again, I went into this movie knowing almost nothing, so I didn't even know who the villain was going to be. And oh, I'm wow. like, oh, what the hell? I mean, and he he took me by you know, grabbed me by the throat basically, like he did everybody watching, and just was like, okay, this guy's a freaking serial killing psychopath, and what the hell is he going to do next? Kept you guessing the whole time. Yeah, I have to say, you know, I, man, uh, the trailers for it and, and things of that nature, it didn't make me that excited. Uh, I remember Paul Dano from There Will Be Blood, and uh, he was yeah. incredible. He was incredible in that. Like, he he looks different than every other actor I can think of. Um, and I mean, I guess the, the tone of this character, I didn't love the mask. I didn't love all that. But you can only do so much with the character before it goes into camp. And I'm really happy they didn't make him more campy. They didn't give him some ridiculous costume, (laughs) but what they did do is they, they almost gave him like, you know, he had like his own origin, you know, he's, I can totally see five years from now, a sequel where the Riddler is in it again and he's gone even further with his costume and there's question marks all over it. And he's not Jim Carrey crazy, but he's got more to him when it comes to costume design. Yeah. See, I'm going to, um, I, I, I went and saw this movie with my son, who's almost 18 and my wife and, uh, and, and the Riddler was her favorite, like in, in this entire film. Um, she told me that afterwards and we talked about it in length and, you know, I do think he was creepy. Um, he was jealous, like in the, as the, uh, you know, playing the role and he was, uh, you know, he was a psychopath. And I think he, I think Matt Reeves really kind of tied into um, the movie Seven. Uh, you, you know, the, the killer that was running around the city with, yeah. uh, you know, torturing those people and, and leaving clues. Even I thought there was a lot of similarity to that, but it it didn't it didn't cheat it. You know, I, I felt they're they're both strong in their own right. Um, and, and Chad, I liked his costume. Um, it reminded me of Pulp Fiction and the Gimp, just you know, a little <laughs> bit different, right? But <laughs> I thought the glasses on the outside is what made it for me. Like just, if he would have just been wearing the leather, I'd be like, okay, it's another guy in a leather suit. Right. But he puts the glasses on, on the outside. And I'm like, all right, now that that's just, that's creepy as I look yeah. at it. Yeah. They must not have LASIK. In <laughs> no, yeah. they don't. It's expensive, dude. <laughs> oh, I know. That's why I still wear glasses. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing, like I said, I, I didn't, I, I knew this. Well, I actually didn't even know exactly what it was coming out. Chad, it was you were like, "Oh, that bat, new Batman's coming out," and I was like, "It is." Like I knew there was a new Batman coming out at some point, right. but again, the movie world has been so jacked up for two years now. Oh yeah, it's right. like who knows? Like oh, maybe it was supposed to come out, but now you know, like John Wick was supposed to come out later this month. Nope, now it's 2023. So things are getting pushed around, and I didn't even know. Didn't really. I didn't see any trailers. Just knew Robert Pattinson was the guy because people were bitching right. about it online when that was announced who knows how long ago. So, you know, obviously when you see him from from I'm seeing him, I'm like, I didn't even know it was the Riddler until obviously he starts going and he's leaving his little riddles and clues and all that. And it's like, okay, because he did not look like 
Frank Gorshin or Jim right. Carrey. Right. You know, he was very much just like, okay, is this some, I'm first, I'm thinking, is it just some guy like deep into the Batman, you know, universe that I have would have no freaking clue it is. No, mm. it's the freaking Riddler. And I damn well know who that is. So, well, you know, it's funny. Cause I, I thought, um, especially as the movie kind of came towards the end that they were portraying, uh, I, I don't know the Riddler, Edward Nigma, or whatever, whatever we want to call him, the Riddler, as like in a you know the term incel, incel, incel. Oh yes, I thought that's what he was kind of beat. Like that's what they were making him. Like you know the dude who shot at the the, the theater out in Colorado several years ago. Like he, he is this weird online guy with all these and, followers. And, and you know like, what? <laughs> when I saw that, I started to think of that, and I'm sitting in the theater. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, this is like the real freaking like it Holy again. Shit, it's, yeah. It was so realistic. I mean, this movie could happen basically right. like all the other superhero movies are like yeah this is fun fantasy this is like no this could really happen and this guy could be really just walking around amongst us and we wouldn't know and i do love i love the whole like he's leaving riddles for the batman he's uh he's bringing him in and, and making him a, a part of his whole plan uh and his plan includes so many like important people not just uh to the story but important in gotham as a whole because even though um, some of the characters were, were introduced in this film, they really didn't have a ton to do. Um, and, and I'm sure they'll be in the next one and the next one after that. But um, it was really cool. I mean, I think it's a great character to kind of highlight in a film because other than Jim Carrey, and even that was kind of debatable whether that was the Riddler. But uh, other than Jim Carrey, you don't see much of the Riddler. So despite him being a brilliant guy. Right. And being one like one of the mainstream villains like uh, that a casual person would know as a Batman villain. Like that's where I think like with Bane, like did, did a lot of people know who Bane was? I mean, I guess if you were a fan of the animated series, you probably knew more. But yeah. Yeah, but, I would say no. I would yeah. say no. So it's like, you know, you, you think of Batman, you think of Joker, Riddler, Catwoman. You think of the basically the ones who appeared on, on the TV series and then based in cartoons and everything since then. So. All right, what about Catwoman? I know this is a we, we might lose Chad Cruz after we have this conversation. Yeah, he, he gets a little hot and bothered with. The I'm Catwoman. already looking. I'm already looking up pictures of her. Hold on one okay. second. <laughs> um, Again, okay. Why don't you step in while Chad's uh, doing whatever he's doing? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I thought she did. At I'll, I'll tell you the truth. The first the first preview I saw, um, the first teaser trailer i saw i should say uh i was like man this movie's gonna be awesome then they showed the second trailer teaser and uh then i saw the third one and the third one had more of the Catwoman in it and i'm and i i checked out i said this is i i don't know what they're doing here i this this doesn't feel like the first two tra- you know trailers i watched so i went into this film thinking why do we need another Catwoman? You know, we've already had Michelle Pfeiffer. You know, we've had we've had the 1966 Catwoman. We've had all these Catwomen already. Why are we redoing this? And uh, she comes in, and I watched her, and I I actually was going in there thinking I wasn't going to like her. By the end of it, I thought she did a great job. I thought she did a great job on her own, and I fell in love with the costume. Um, at first, I didn't thought you know it was just like a sock hat. I'm like, mm-hmm. what is that? But then near the end, I'm like, all right. I like it. Um, and her character, her Catwoman, 
again is a tie to the Frank Miller. The more I watch it, I'm like, this is Frank Miller's Catwoman from year one, which is a uh, younger uh, African-American female athletic uh, uh, thief. It's kind of like she's like her first year or her second year stealing, just like, you know, Batman has established himself in the first couple of years in this film. Um, she's kind of learning the ropes as well. And uh, I thought the fight scenes were decent. Uh, they weren't the, the best with her, but I thought they were decent. I liked that she rode around on a motorcycle. So I thought she did a good job. Yeah, I think that, I, I mean, from the moment she came on screen, I, there were like audible, there was there were noise in, in the theater because, I mean, she's gorgeous, I think. Uh, and I, I felt like the way she moves, the way she walked, I mean, it was all part of the character, just the way she kind of tried to move like a cat. Um, but the costume it really worked out. Like you said, the like Cap saying the the beanie that she had, the tattered beanie or whatever. Uh, it looked way cooler than I thought it would look um, from the trailers. And uh, I, I don't know about the whole connection. I don't want to spoil anything too far, but the connection, the, the family connection she had in the film, if that's like, I don't think that's comic, comic book accurate, but uh, it worked for the movie. And uh, I think for the character and then, the decisions they made with her character throughout the film kind of worked for me too. So I thought it was great. I, I mean, I still, Michelle Pfeiffer is still my cat woman, but I thought she did a great job. And, and talking about that costume, I think it just, again, this is such a realistic superhero movie. If you even want to call yeah. it a superhero movie that, that makes more sense. I mean, she could then quickly take that, that beanie off and just blend in with the world around her as opposed to wearing a freaking latex suit. Uh, you yeah. know, like it's going to be a little bit hard. Like, Oh, who's that, you know, shiny woman walking down the street. Uh, yeah. It's like, so. rant, 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 rant. every time she steps, you hear the latex. <laughs> so, yeah. And we got to watch her get dressed, which was like my, oh, first, oh, probably my oh, second favorite scene in the movie. Okay. Um, did you want to tell us your first or you want to wait for that? No, I'll have to think about that because the other one, <laughs> okay. So you really didn't most it. of the space in my brain. Okay. <laughs> All right. And here's another one. And you mentioned, uh, you know, at this point, this movie has been out for two weekends. So uh, again, we're, we probably will be spoiling it, but you've had two weekends to check it out, people. So it's on you. Um, Carmine Falcone, played by John Turturro. Is that a, a character from the comic books or is that just an invention for this film? It's uh, yes, he is a character. Yes. Okay. okay. That's that was what I was wondering. And Turturro is like excellent. You know, he, you, you believe him as a mafia boss easily. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, it, his name is, uh, Carmen, the, uh, the Roman Falcon Falcone is what everyone, you know, refers to him in the comics. And I guess one of the, uh, one of the main stories with him is, is the long Halloween, uh, which was drawn by, uh, Tim sale and written by, uh, Jeff Loeb. And it's a, that's a, like a 12 month series of, just every month a comic would come out and that's where he made his first appearance. And uh, yeah, so he is a character and he's an ever running continual character in the DC universe and in Batman for sure. And he portrayed it exactly how uh, I see it, you know, him in the comic for sure. And I think that the, you know, the, the way that they're really making Gotham city, this, uh, this city of kind of mobsters and, you know, there's the gang of dudes on the subway with the face paint, like there's a lot of uh, textures to the city that you may not have noticed in the, in the Christopher Nolan films because he didn't have as much time or he didn't 
think that it meant as much, but in this movie, you know, we've already got, we've already seen different, different mobster guys. We've seen, you know, uh, Oswald, we've seen Falcone, we've heard about Maroney, like there's already a lot of things going on and we've already seen a couple of the gangs running around that Batman's beat the shit out of. So, um, yeah, it really feels like a city that exists instead of just, you know, a place where the movie is set. Yeah, I agree. It, you, you know, the the one thing about uh, Falcone is that uh, I, I did. I thought he did a great job in it. Um, he was, uh, you know, he's ruthless and, and you know, he's going to kill his own daughter, you know, trying to. Uh, but the one thing that he was missing, but I think it's because it's early, is that when you see him in the comics or people that know him, he has he has these scratch marks on his faces, on his face. And they're usually like three scratches that go from his eye all the way down to his chin. And they're like deep gouges. And those were from Catwoman, like in a fight, like a classic fight, Catwoman scratched his face. And then when I was watching the film, when her and, and Falcon, Falcone were fighting, um, there was a moment where she scratched his face. Yeah. And then, then I, I'm, I'm left with, you know, did he really die in the film or not? Or is he going to come back? Uh, and maybe in, in a sequel with the scratches on his face. So that might be something to look forward to. And you mentioned Chad Oz, uh, AKA the penguin. Here's another example of me being completely ignorant going into <laughs> this film. I watched this and you know, there was no opening credits unless I missed them. There was no, there was no names no. on the screen. Yeah, so no. again, I just got right into the movie. And I think that's another great thing they did. You just got right into the movie. You weren't distracted by anything. I watched the movie. I saw, I, I love the penguin character came home, talked to our good friend, Paul London. He's like, what a transformation for Colin Farrell, huh? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck are you talking about that? And then I'm like, holy shit. I watched a, him for near three hours and had zero idea that was Colin Farrell. And that I think it speaks volumes to his performance, to the makeup people, to everything. I mean, you did not, if you didn't know, you're not going to know that's right. Colin Farrell and, right, and right. just in a great character. And to see him like kind of get, he's kind of on the rise at, as the movie ends, obviously if yeah. Carmine has indeed been taken out, I mean, he kind of has an opportunity to now become the new main uh, mob guy. But, and I like that too, that, you know, he's not just some weird penguin guy. He's, he's a mob, he's a mobster, you know, it's not like he's controlling penguins in the sewer. Right. Which was cool and all, but uh, you know, this, again, this is a very realistic take. Yeah. It's realistic. And, but it's still, he still looks, you know, kind of funky in the face and mm -hmm. uh, he's got kind of a hook nose a little bit and he's, you know, he's rotund, rotund. And then when they, in when they did his like bound his legs. So he was kind of had the, he had the waddle. Walk. Yeah. Yeah. That was perfect. But he's great. You know, Colin Farrell, like he was in the show, The North Water. I don't know if you've seen that, but he is absolutely remarkable in, in that show, in that series. Um, so, and he had his moment, you know, back, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. He, you know, did SWAT and he played Bullseye and Daredevil and he overacted the shit out of that movie. Um, <laughs> and, and he's had like different points in his career where you felt like he was going to be like this leading man who was going to be in everything again. But it just somehow hasn't uh, panned out, I guess. And, but now he seems to be back on the rise. So that's good to see him. And it's good that uh, the character kind of got some love and he didn't just get, you know, the old one off treatment where he's, you know, taken down easily and thrown in prison. Right. 
yeah, I you know I I felt it was an excellent, uh, uh, an excellent portrayal of the penguin. Um, th- th- he this is the character that uh, you know, like my wife said that she wanted more of the Riddler. I wanted more of Penguin uh, as this as this movie played on. I felt like when I was watching him and I heard him speak and you know in, in the role and in, as an actor, I feel like he'd like you know he channeled his his inner like Al Pacino spirit because it yeah. was really reminded yeah. me yeah. of Scarface and in a way and some a little bit of Godfather in a way and uh, and I thought that Gold Teeth was just classic. You know he had like gold teeth on one side of his face and he had scratches on another and and all the like the, the the fatty makeup they put on his face perfect yeah i would nominate this man for an academy award i can tell you that right now <laughs> he's great and you know with with so many superhero movies and and i think back i'm not the biggest uh marvel fan in the world and I, i've seen a lot of the earlier ones but i haven't seen one in several years at this point but uh the thing that they always struggled with i felt were the villains Right. When it comes to Batman's Rogues Gallery, like, it's the best. yeah, it's the absolute best. There's no other superhero car- character out there who have better villains than Batman. And you can bitch and moan and say Spider Man's are better, but they're not. Uh, Batman has the best. And in every film that's come out uh, about Batman, the villains are always remarkable. They're always characters mm-hmm. that you want to see again. Um, even Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. But no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Come on, that hockey fight scene was fantastic. No. <laughs> I thought we were talking about movies we love. <laughs> but it's Arnold. You have to love I it. do like Arnold, but man, not that not that portrayal but, of Mr. Freeze. But in this film, I mean, I can't point to a single actor or single character that I thought was, you know, subpar that didn't bring it. And right. They, like they you, you, you would have picked somebody else for it. There's nobody. It's like, no, they got it right. They got yeah. it right for everyone. Right. So, you know, I think what you're, you're, you're hitting on is that if, if, if it takes four, four years to make a film, especially we'll say a Batman film and as a Batman fan, a lifelong Batman fan, um, if, yeah, I would love to have a Batman film every year come out, but if you, if it's going to, I don't care if it takes four years or five years, as long as you do it right Mm -hmm. and you get the actors right and they, they nail it right. And when I think this movie and this movie was in the making for a long time, yeah. Um, I know they had a, well COVID, worth a COVID issue at some point, so they got shut down for a while. Because um, Robert Pattinson, I believe, got COVID, and then they had to shut it down. So it took them a while to get back going. But uh, yeah, it, Lord of mercy, it was so good. Yeah. All right, one more uh, main character that we haven't touched on yet, and then we'll kind of talk about some of our favorite scenes. Alfred. And I think this is one of the ones you kind of – alluded to, I believe chat house, you know, there's so many people in here. They didn't all get as much screen time as you would think. I think Alfred was kind of one of those where he, well, obviously he gets uh, put out of commission for a bit. So that explains why he's not in there too much, but uh, Andy circus, who was a Caesar in the uh, planet of the apes movies you talked about. Yeah. He played, you know, he's worked, had a working relationship with Matt Reeves and he's probably not the name that you would have thought would play Alfred because Alfred has become, you know, in, in most of the films, he's an older guy, you know, Mac, uh, or Michael Caine played him. And then, uh, I can't remember what was the Alfred, who was the actor who played him in the, in the Michael Keaton versions. I don't An old guy, old bastard, some old bastard played him in the earlier films. Um, <laughs> and he actually played him, I believe in the two Schumacher movies as well. He did. Yeah. The, the Alfred and the commissioner Gordon, carried over even though the yes. Batman kept changing 
So Andy Serkis is, is quite a bit younger, I feel, than, than these other Alfreds. And, uh, and for good reason. You know, Batman's younger. He's new. His career has just started as a vigilante superhero. And I think that Andy Serkis has um, – he has a lot more to do. Like, like you said, he, he wasn't in this film a lot. Um, but but his, I, I think his scenes are very poignant. Like they, they make a lot of sense. You know, a lot of this film is about – Bruce Wayne's journey you know he's he's I was surprised at how much Batman we got in this film he I I feel like he's more Batman in the movie than he is Bruce Wayne yeah Yeah. uh, which is phenomenal I I didn't expect that but when he is Bruce Wayne he's always thinking about Batman (laughs) you know he's (laughs) you know when we talk about like uh Superman he's you know him and the difference between Superman and Clark Kent is, is pretty big but He's actually Clark Kent who dresses up as Superman and Bruce Wayne is his, you know, he's Batman who dresses up as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And you feel it in this movie. Yeah. Definitely the least amount of Bruce Wayne in any, in any Batman movie. Oh yeah. Cause he has no interest in being, like you said, he has no interest in being Bruce Wayne. He wants to be Batman. That's, that's the family legacy in his eyes where Alfred kind of has to be that one who kind of keeps him grounded and somewhat in reality, because he could see this man is slipping away into a very dark place. Yeah. You know, I was kind of, you know, we're talking back, back on Alfred. I, I was surprised too, of how little of a role he had. And I think that what the, the, the screen time he got, I thought he did a very good job. He's a great actor, right? I mean, if you think, well, you know, through the Lord of the Rings and, and star Wars and, uh, and he was in the, the bad guy in Black Panther. I mean, he's just a, a great actor, right? But his betrayal of Alfred in this one, and what I liked about how Matt Reeves tied it in, was uh, like one of the lines that he said. You know, he was talking with with Bruce Wayne, or it was when he was Batman. I can't remember if he was Bruce Wayne at the time or if he was wearing the costume. But he he told him that he trained him how to fight, and 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 why I think that's important is that. Uh, Alfred Pennyworth has a story too, and Alfred Pennyworth is a is a is an ex like uh, British Secret Service agent, mm-hmm. and there's many there's comics written on him. There's stories. I even think there's a TV show, and I haven't seen it, but um, I'd like to. But he, you know, so this touched into they touched on Alfred's like skill set back in the day, and that he taught Bruce how to fight. So it wasn't that Bruce went over and trained with Ra's al Ghul and the League of Shadows and all that, but it was Alfred that taught him how to how to fight, and I just really thought that was a nice addition to this version of Pennyworth, which I think we're going to see more yeah, in the next I, films. I think so, and, and it, it also rings uh, rings true that so Alfred, uh, I guess in the in the previous series and and the previous movies, he always kind of has an answer to everything. You know, Batman gets hurt, Alfred fixes him up. Batman needs something, Alfred shows yep. up with the right thing. And in this one, it makes a little more sense. You know, now you get a little bit of backstory on Alfred um, and, and you have some idea that he's this, you know, he's not uh, without combat in his past. So like, you know, when he has to fix up Bruce's or Batman's injuries, like it makes sense that he would know how to, you know, splint his leg or, or whatever, you know, as we go forward, because because he's, you know, seen combat and he's had to do it in the field. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a really cool idea that Alfred has like this trajectory as a character that isn't connected to Bruce Wayne. Right. Or how to jump out of the way of an exploding bomb. Right. It's important to know. <laughs> All right. Let's talk favorite scenes and I will go first. 
so nobody steals it. Uh, the introduction of the Batmobile is so odd with that just the you know and, and it, that's probably the one of the most action-packed and being an action fanatic that i am i mean just yeah. that that the roar of that engine and just it just and again being in the theater made probably made that scene a thousand times better and then just the chasing that follows it just great stuff great that's probably my favorite action piece of the whole movie chad yeah, I agree. I mean, that, that scene is phenomenal and it really, it shows you what Matt Reeves is trying to accomplish here with not just with the character of the Batman, but, uh, his gadgets and stuff, you know, he's everything that he uses has multiple uses or it has some sort of imagery behind it. Or he, he like the car is, is, is essentially its own character. It's horrifying. You know, when you see it kind of growling at people, right. They're scared, you know, they're scared shitless. And then the the bat signal comes up and we see the characters in the movie like, oh, crap. Like that was the whole point, you know, to make this guy more than just a man. But he's a myth. He's a legend. He's, you know, he's he's everywhere. He's in every shadow. He doesn't have to be there because they think he is. And I think that that was what they're trying to do. Ian, your favorite scene. You if know, you could pick one. Yeah, I know. It's hard. It's uh, um, and I, and I never really thought of my favorite scene and I should have thought this question was going to come, you know, and, you <laughs> about know all this other stuff. And I'll like, give you another minute to think cap. Uh, don't steal uh, mine. I don't think this is going to be yours. So this is, <laughs> this isn't actually one single scene. So I'm going to, I'm going to change it up a bit, but the, the way that Batman walks into every crime scene with Jim Gordon, uh, I love that the way that they portray him as a character and the way that the police officers of Gotham city look at him because you could see it, you know, Martinez is the one I remember, you know, like he's the character that appears multiple times throughout yeah, the film. The cop, um, yeah. yeah. So every time that they have a crime scene, every time that, uh, that Gordon brings Batman in to look at, at the crime scene itself, uh, the stares that he gets from the police officers and it's a mixture of awe and confusion and like, why is this guy here? What the hell is this person? Who is this person? There's so many questions going through their minds in just a split second. And, and I think it's fantastic because it shows you that, uh, you know, the members of this police department are neither on board with him. Uh, they don't hate him. They don't love him. Um, but gradually throughout the film, I think they start to respect yeah. the fact that he is solving shit and, you know, no one else seems to be doing it again. And that goes back to the realism. I mean, because if you had a police department and this guy in a bat suit showed up and yeah. you, I would hope that those cops would be like, what the hell is what have we become? But yeah, he proves himself and you could see their attitude towards him changes as this whole thing progresses. Yeah. And I think, it, you know, even going back a little bit further, I think this 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 this, this kind of points at what kind of person Jim Gordon is. Right. Because mm -hmm. if the officers, if the officers don't respect Batman, they respect Jim Gordon. And because they respect Jim Gordon, they're, they're allowing this freak in their, you know, the way they, what they call him, this freak to come into their, their crime scenes. Uh, and it just, again, it's uh it's a groundwork for, uh, you know, the, the Jim Gordon in the future, that, the, that he's probably going to be commissioner down the road and that he's so well-respected that this is allowed to continue. All righty. And you, have you had enough time now? Yeah, I have brain. I've, I've, there's a lot, right. There's a lot of scenes I really enjoyed mm -hmm. in this. Um, but the one that's coming to my mind right now is near the end they're fighting. He's fighting these, these copycat, 
you know, Riddler killers that are up on this, um, the suspended stage. Uh, and, uh, he's getting knocked down. Batman's getting knocked down. Uh, he got shot at a couple times. He's, he's weak. You know, he's been fighting five or six guys and Catwoman's getting attacked. Right. And he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out this vial and this vial is like a green liquid and he injects himself with it. And as soon as he injects himself with it, like the shot of adrenaline, he jumps up and he just goes to town on this guy to the point <laughs> that they all have to like stop him. Cause he's going to town on this guy. And I'm like, love it. But a lot of the fight scenes were a lot like that, but really like that because one I thought I thought was pretty aggressive and brutal. And that's the Batman that I like and enjoy and read about. But um, again, I was talking with my family and my, my wife was like, that's probably, that's probably venom. And I went, yeah. Oh my gosh, that is a great, and I can't believe I didn't think of that. And she thought of it. And it's, it's, it just tells you how much we talk about Batman in this household that my wife knows about venom. Um, uh, and, and she, she was absolutely right. She's absolutely right. I think that's what it was. Uh, and, and those who don't know what venom is, it's just a, you know, it's just a chemical compound that, um, Batman tried because he couldn't rescue a girl, a little girl died and he wasn't strong enough. So he, you know, he worked to develop this, uh, this chemical that he could take to make himself stronger. And then eventually that got, you know, into, uh, you know, Bane's hands and that's a story of Bane, but, uh, that was my scene. All right. Now, another scene I want to talk about. That had, and again, my ignorance will come in here, where the Riddler gets thrown into Arkham, uh, and he has a little uh, neighbor. Now, I just assumed that was the Joker, but then I go online and I see maybe that wasn't the Joker, and people are questioning and wondering who the hell that guy was. So, Ian, in your expert opinion, who the hell was that guy? Oh, it's a Joker, hands down. Thank you. Yeah, hands down. You know, as uh, soon as... As soon as they give you a little glimpse, okay, first of all, he's talking to him through the cells. So the Joker is is notorious of being locked up almost all the time and escaping mm-hmm. all the time. But when he's in prison, he's always manipulating his cellmates, always. Like he's he just knows how to get into people's heads. And as soon as I saw the, the, the face talking, I'm like, and I heard the voice, I'm like, that's the Joker. And then I heard a couple laughs and that's all it took. Yeah, yeah. And that's why when I just like, okay, so the Joker will be in the next movie and then yeah, go online. And I mean, I know it's a lot of that's just clickbait bull crap. You yeah. won't get that on Bulletproof Action Absolutely do quality uh, post. But uh, yeah, I'm like, well, wait a minute. So then I started questioning because again, I freaking didn't know Colin Farrell was the penguin. So what the hell do I know <laughs> about the movie? So, you know, at one point I thought, and I had read something um, the night it was released uh, something had come across Twitter or whatever. I don't know. And it had mentioned a surprise cameo at the end of the film. And I had no idea who it was and I didn't read into it any further cause I didn't want to know, but I kind of expected somehow this movie would end up in Arkham, but that there would be like an intercom message for a Dr. Quinn or something like that, you know, right. Uh, just to set up the fact that Harley Quinn was, uh, was working there at Arkham, but, but yeah, this was even better. And I, and uh, cap, just like you said, like, I, I think it was definitely Joker. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hands down. And you know what I think would be neat in the future, um, is if, if, if you know, that you, you have the Joker, but he's not really a main character, but he's in the cell. Yeah. He's in the cell and he's just talking to, 
you know, he's, he's running the things from a cell and just talking to all the inmates. I think that's a great idea. And I think that it works in the framework of this film in that this movie not only works as a long ass three hour superhero vigilante action thriller crime noir movie. It works because it sets up so many different uh, like avenues that you can take. You know, we can continue on with uh, trying to take down Oswald Cobblepot. We can we can go after Maroney. We can go after uh, Falcone's operation. We can uh, they set up. I mean, I love the Court of Owls. I think oh, yeah. we've talked about that before. This sets up the, the, the framework for that with the powerful families of Gotham. Um, and now we've met the Joker. We know that there are other people out there that exist. Um, and I, I think that there's just so many places you can go after this film. It's, it really is remarkable. And I'll be curious to see what they do next. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me. Like this just not only did it lay the did it lay the groundwork for the Batman, obviously, but is other you know or other DC movies now going to kind of follow? Because it felt you know like the DC movies haven't had a voice, or at least one that people like. But I think this could be a great launching point for all future DC movies if they kind of follow a similar template uh, to what this movie did, and if they eventually tie them in with with other you know, other characters with the Batman. Yeah. And if you remember uh, at the end, Catwoman had, you know, two different ways that she could turn. She could go into the city or out of the city and she chose to leave, which is great. Uh, But when Batman asked her where she was going, uh, do you remember where she was going, Cap? Yeah. She's going to Bloodhaven. Bloodhaven, which is the the city that Nightwing took up, correct? Yes. So that Mm -hmm. that was a cool little uh, Easter egg there for anyone who is a fan of Nightwing or, uh, the character of Dick Grayson. Oh, uh, you know, who, Aaron Williams is exactly. And, and that character shouldn't exist in that capacity yet, but it sets up the fact that that city exists right, and that right. it is there. And we also, I forgot to mention the, uh, the reporter who was, who was looking into Thomas Wayne. Um, yeah. And any, any lover of the comics will know that uh, I believe his son becomes a, a very serious threat to Batman later on. And, and and that's also set up in this film. All right. Any final thoughts that you'd like to share, Ian, about the Batman? Um, another thing I enjoyed was the twins. I know they were a small role, but uh, they kept making an appearance throughout. Uh, it was, it was a, a little bit of humor, which always helps. Um, you know, the, the first time that Batman visits the, the twins is when he shows up to the, to the, you know, the nightclub and then he, he beats him up. And then the next time he shows up, he's a Bruce Wayne and they look at him like they've seen him before, but they're not really quite sure. Um, I thought twin, the twins was a nice addition. Um, I'd say overall final thoughts on this film, uh, uh, an absolute slow burn. I felt from the very beginning when I sat down to the moment I left, it was just a slow burn. Like it never let up. Like Matt Reeves did a really good job of, um, keeping it close. And I mean, what I mean, keeping it close, like the framework of the camera, like I, like almost always you were in someone's face or just panned out just a little bit. You never really backed up and gave you long scenes of like the city and these giant backdrops. You did get that, but you didn't get it a lot. So you, that, that closeness that I, I, to these actors and to these areas never let me take a breath. Like I really felt like, all right, man, you gotta let me, you gotta let me relax here just five seconds. Okay. Let me, let me, 
let me catch my breath, but it never let up the whole movie. Um, just an, just an excellent job. Yeah. And I think that's what helped make time go. I mean, it, it's a three hour movie or damn near three hours, but it didn't feel like it. It did not, you know, it wasn't like you were looking at your watch or when is this thing going to be over? It, it, it flew by because you were so into the world that they were in the, in the adventure they were taking you on. Chad Cruz, your final thoughts. Yeah, you know, it, it, it kind of did feel like three hours to me because I had to pee after like 45 minutes <laughs> and I refused to get up. <laughs> so it was tough. I did check my watch a couple of times, uh, but, uh, you know, I was glued to the screen. I couldn't I couldn't look away. Um, and it's one of those movies that, you know, you're not going to want to look away because there's so much uh, greatness on, on, on the film. They're, the characters are all fantastic. The actors do a great job. You're not going to be complaining about things that, you know, it didn't feel like three hours because the pace of the film really never lets up. Like right. it, uh, it moves from one scene to the next with just like juicy bits. Like you don't in cap, I believe you mentioned uh, the movie seven earlier and, and it, it really does kind of remind you of that because um, they, they're really having to put the, the pieces of the puzzle together throughout the film. Um, but along the way of putting the puzzle together, they're learning about themselves. They're learning about each other. They're trusting each other more and, and the growth that you see throughout the film of the characters is, I mean, it's easily noticeable. I mean, you can, at the end of the film, when Batman's like carrying people out of this, uh, the hurricane Katrina situation, you know, there's this massive flood and the, the stadium's all messed up. He's carrying people out and he's dirty and he's grimy and he's tired and he's beat up and he's wrecked, but he's going back down for one more. And that's not something that Batman does at the beginning of the film, or it doesn't feel like a Batman movie at the beginning of the film. So you really get a journey. And uh, I think that Matt Reeves is, can pretty much write his own ticket now after this film. So good for him. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, more than that, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what they'll do next. So that's, that's a good sign. It'll, yeah. Oh, if you, if you left that a three hour movie wanting more, he did one hell of a job, and uh, I think right. I know I, I certainly did leave wanting more. And I next time I will be much more in tune to what's going on. I'm not going to be so. Maybe I shouldn't though. Maybe that helped no, my like enjoyment. It. Yeah, I was oblivious to most of what was going on. I'm in my own world where I watch uh, '70s kung fu movies and uh, <laughs> professional wrestling. And uh, but you know what, brain reality you're doesn't a, really creep in too often. You are you're a uh, Christopher Reeves Superman guy. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's DC. So Batman shouldn't be far from that. And I believe that cap will give you the nod because you are a DC Superman fan. Yes. uh, And and not some shitty Marvel daredevil or (laughs) or not daredevil Deadpool fan. Right. No, that's what I say. There's only DC blood that flows through this body here. (laughs) No Marvel blood. All right. Well, Ian, we do want to thank you for joining us and uh, maybe we'll bring you back. We'll maybe we could talk about some of the other classic Batman movies. Probably not Batman and Robin. I'm guessing though. Uh, oh, I'd love to talk on... about that too. Oh, okay. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we probably not as glowingly as we talked about this one. So, right. And let me tell you people, if you have not seen this one, you got to check it out. And if you're like me and I think like Chad and like a lot of people, if you have superhero movie fatigue, this is basically a actual action crime thriller that happens to have a superhero character in it. It's not a superhero movie uh, like that you are used to. And and to your point too, Ian, it's, it's so close and it's so character focused. It's not a fricking CGI fest. 
Oh yeah. Like, let's see how much shit we could throw on the screen at one time and just blow your mind. It's, it's very character driven. It's very story driven. It is a very good movie. And Colin Farrell, you're getting the Academy Award is my (laughs) prediction uh, for your work because you're awesome. All right. Speaking of awesome, Chad Cruz, do you know what we're going to do next time here on the Bulletproof Podcast? I have no idea. We will be just a few days away from WrestleMania, and you know we love to talk about wrestlers turn action stars, and we are going to turn it over to our fans, our listeners, because there's going to be a poll on our Twitter. You can see it right now as you're hearing this, if you're listening on day one, of course. If you're listening to this a month later, you're, you're screwed, but... At Bulletproof Pod on Twitter, we are going to put up four movies and what a selection of WrestleMania main eventers we have to choose from, Chad. We're going to talk either Back in Action, starring Roddy Piper and Billy Blanks, The Condemned, starring Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rundown, featuring your favorite, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, or The Ultimate Weapon, starring the Hulkster, Hulk Hogan. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm actually curious to see the the results of the poll because I feel like a couple of those movies are going to get next to none. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> so, who knows? Who knows? You may have some multiple weapon fans out there. I don't People know. People might but... just screw with us too and be like, let's make them watch yeah. the shittiest of the four options to see what's, what they're going to talk about. So if we get the condemned, I'm going to be smashing some Steve Weisers throughout the whole thing. Uh, well so. then I can't, well then now see you're, 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 you're leading the people on to what you want to do. All right. Yeah, the that's poll's already up. The poll's up, and uh, yeah, check it out, vote, and that's what we're going to be talking about next time. Uh, any uh, final words, Chad? I know you, I ask this every time. And, yeah, and normally I but say you know, no. Normally, but yeah, this is a different Chad Cruz. This so is a different one. Here we go. Uh, I'm a changed man, and I don't want to say for sure that it was this scene that changed me, but that scene of... Uh, Zoe Kravitz getting dressed was really great. And okay. uh, uh, big fan of her now. Big fan. Uh, yeah, big fan. All right. Well, you go take a cold shower. Ian, thank you very much again. Thanks and for having thank me. Thank you all for listening. And as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. listening to the Geekscape Network.